All right. Uh, well, first, welcome to the first ever episode of the Luke Nielsen podcast. And uh, I'm excited to be joined by one of my favorite people in the whole world, uh, my brother Logan. Hi, how are you? <laughs> so first, thanks, dude, for uh, doing the first episode and for helping me out with all the podcast stuff. <laughs> yeah, we, we just got done messing around with the mic setup for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, I've got a real like uh, grip it and rip it mentality on pretty much everything. So I just like uh, dive into stuff that I have no idea what I'm doing. And uh, I really do appreciate it because this would have taken a lot longer, would have sounded a lot worse, which... I still got some sound things to figure out, but uh, it would have been pretty yeah. terrible without Logan. That's also that's every every first podcast never has the the sound all completely figured out right away. So <laughs> I think you're fine. You're you're joining everyone else who's ever done a podcast. So <laughs> well, good. that's good. Yeah, it's, uh, humble beginnings. Yeah, um, but you've done a lot of podcasting, which was really nice for me to kind of. I mean, learn some of the stuff. Just I've always listened to your podcast, and then yeah. kind of watch. You're, you're one of our fans. <laughs> one <laughs> of our three <laughs> big big fan. Um, but uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Like you always seem to have these really nice concepts and names and stuff for your <laughs> podcast, and I'm just really like I, I didn't have anything good. So the Luke Nielsen podcast is what it became because I figured like yeah, right. it's my name. So well, it, it, well, yeah, you know, sometimes like like the first podcast I did, I, I've I've done two podcasts with my friends Steve Wonderlick and Caleb Woodley. Um, who are two of my best friends in the world, and we we did a like we had a podcast where we had a great concept, but it ended up not being the right concept for us too. So I'm good at coming up with concepts, but it's not always the one I should be doing. Like <laughs> we did this show called Advanced BS, which was it was a weekly show, but each month was its own topic. So we just covered you know whatever we talked about for that month. We just had to make work for four weeks. Some months was fun, and then sometimes we had a topic that we didn't really have a ton of interest in that we we would just run out, of, run out of steam. So you would have just two episodes of like three guys being like, "Yeah, we're still here," and it's like, it's like <laughs> yeah, could, that could have been better executed by maybe a different group of people. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and then we do one now that's uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons because we're uh, we're dorks, and uh, but it's a it's a really fun time. And then Luke did the the art for us; he did the artwork. Yeah, for our, for our iTunes photo and all that. Well, that was really cool. I remember when you came to me with that idea and just sort of presenting it as like this noir mystery detective yeah. type of thing, and that just sounded so cool to me. And you had played Dungeons and Dragons at sort of the end of the other show. Yes, yeah. I've never, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons off mic i've never <laughs> me and me and steve we've only played dungeons and dragons while recording it for some form of podcast yeah, yeah but yeah. yeah we do this show called gumshoes and goblins where we uh we play dungeons and dragons it's a hard elevator pitch because we play dungeons and dragons but we're at where me and him are playing detectives in this world and each episode is its own case so it's a role-playing mystery procedural comedy improv podcast that's a, there's a it that all works better than you think it would it does it does yeah but i i it actually works show. quite well but it's it's when you tell it to somebody uh you just see their eyes glaze over and cross and they they don't know what to, they don't know what up is they excuse me <laughs> like that that happens to their brain when yeah. you explain it to them yeah. that's what happens that's what they hear is what I just said it was a bunch of <laughs> gibberish it's just a bunch of vowel sounds yeah. and their eyes yeah. go crossed yeah um, and I guess while we're talking about it 
just yeah, I didn't mean I, to start your show with pitching my show. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, if you like the 10 seconds of this show you heard, check out two other <laughs> shows. Let, let me send you in a better direction. That's usually the way I like to go. Like, uh, apologies up front. You should maybe listen to this. and say, That's mostly what this show is going to be, is me recommending other things I've liked. Like, you ever heard of Star Wars? Ooh, it's pretty great. It's neat. Yeah, yeah. So, um... But just so, as we're talking about it, where can people find these things? Because I enjoy these podcasts. Uh, I mean, they're on iTunes. You can, uh, yeah, Advanced BS and Gumshoes and Goblins. They're on iTunes. They're both on SoundCloud. Uh, and just wherever you, if you have a podcast app on your phone, it shows up on that. I, I don't know how. I don't know what the magic is, but they, they get there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you have a podcast app, they're there. Perfect. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway. I Probably really, wherever you're getting this one, I'm sure you're getting it there, too. So. There, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This will be on SoundCloud, and uh, we'll figure out from there. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, related to that, talking about the podcast, you know, something that we were kind of talking about before this is we have another brother. So I'm the oldest, and then you're I'm the middle. years after me. And then uh, Landon is our youngest brother. And sort of an interesting thing where, you know, all three of us grew up, same parents in rural Iowa mm-hmm. and took these very three, you know, sort of divergent paths. We live in three different states. Yep. Um, very, very different sort of career paths. Yeah. Where, I mean, you've done a lot of stand up comedy and yeah, podcasting that's... and went to film school and all these sorts <laughs> yeah. of things. Yeah. Our youngest brother is a wildland firefighter. And just wants to generally be in the woods. <laughs> yes. No matter what he's doing, he'd yeah. rather be away from people and amongst the trees. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And then I went, I guess you'd call it a more traditional route, at least from where we're from, yeah. is a teacher, and I teach at the high school we graduated from, yeah. and, the, and those sorts of things. So what kind of led you to or you know even as a kid what was sort of the inspiration to like this is something i think i want to or even i can do because we don't see a lot of that in our area well for the longest time i didn't think i could do it because it it didn't i had no idea how you became a comedian Mm -hmm. there was never because this was you know now it's young kids coming up there is podcasts you can find a billion sources on how to get your start in comedy Every podcast hosted by a comedian talks about how they get started, going to mics and you know trying to get your face seen at clubs or like that. There was none of nothing like that ever mm-hmm. when we were kids. Um, it was just something I always wanted to do. I mean, I have—I mean, I don't have them, but I remember like making drawings in second grade of you know what do you want? To, you know, everyone's drawing what they want to be when they grow up, and it's you know, and some are fantastical stuff of baseball player and you know whatever but it's it was all kind of regular jobs and then mine was my drawings were always of me holding a microphone yeah it was always me on stage i just i just always wanted to be it i once i learned what i learned what comedians were i could never get the word right so i would accidentally tell people i wanted to be a custodian (laughs) because i would mix up the words and not that there's anything wrong nothing wrong with being a custodian that's just not what i meant when i would say (laughs) it i meant comedian but everyone thought i was dreaming of becoming a janitor uh with mic in hand yeah yeah. you're playing (laughs) to the crowd yeah just a real dreamer in empty hallways um (laughs) But I don't know. I just always wanted to do it. It was just always my dream ever since I was a kid. And then I, I didn't do it. When I got out of high school, I didn't. I did it for the very first time I did it was at a sketch show uh, that we did. My senior year of high school was the first time I ever did stand-up. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, most of it was just just lame jokes, or and I ended with just ripping off uh, Pablo Francisco's bit, "Little Tortilla Boy." <laughs> it was it was just my version of it, but it was essentially the exact same thing. And that's how you start. Everyone starts by just stealing something. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. Set, yeah, actually, just yeah. just rip it. And I had a couple of jokes that had nothing to do with that too. You know, I just I, I, but like I you know I just started. Here's here's I don't know I found that funny. I can do those voices too. You know the movie theater voice and stuff yeah, and yeah so i just started by ripping that off um and then just didn't didn't do it for did it a couple years later in a stand-up competition in cedar rapids just one more time then lived in chicago for three years never did it did improv and stuff but never did stand up i yeah. didn't never even really thought about it like mm-hmm. even though there's such a comedy scene there and that's where i live now um there there's always been a, it's always been a really vibrant comedy scene i just never even thought about i just i really thought i couldn't do it and i tried writing stand-up and i would try to write jokes and i just hated what i wrote i just didn't <laughs> i just i just didn't i don't know i just didn't have it i guess it's just how i felt and so i just never did it and then uh a couple years later, uh, I got divorced, and the uh, the the morning after we had the conversation, we had a conversation one night of like I think we're gonna get a divorce. The next morning, I woke up and just I, I called a couple friends just to get it all out and whatever, and then I just started writing jokes. I I, I got on my computer and I typed five pages, twelve point font, single spaced, <laughs> of jokes about divorce. And like I hadn't really thought much about it. And then I just got done. I'm just like, oh, I should actually try stand up for real. Yeah. And that was you know that was six seven years ago now. And I then I just started going up. I was living back in St. Ansgar, our hometown, uh, St. Ansgar, Iowa. Uh, and then I started, I drove up to Rochester as a comedy club called Goonies, went up there within six months, I was on the road working. Like, yeah. just, I don't know, that was, I, you know, by that point I had heard, you know, I'd listened to podcasts and, you know, read stuff on comedy and it learned that you just had to go to open mics and just, that's just, you just had to start. You just had to start and bomb and just eat it and just <laughs> yeah. suck. And if you were okay with sucking, you would just get better. And, you yeah. know, and that's just kind of what I did. And yeah. You know, well, so you hit on a, a few things there. Yeah, a lot. I, I threw a lot at you. That's good. It's like a Kevin Smith interview. I just ask a question and then you take care of the next hour. Um, but you hit on a few things there that I think are really interesting. Um, one being, I mean, so you moved to Chicago. You were twenty, nineteen, twenty. 20 probably when i first moved to chicago yeah i would have i would have just turned 20 yeah yeah because i turned 21 in my first year there yeah yeah, yeah and we yeah, came out for that, that yeah, was yeah, fun. yeah um but you know i remember thinking you know i've always been fairly comfortable speaking in front of people yeah and that's always you know people bring that up as the number one fear you know over death is public speaking those sorts of things but I thought yeah. it, it to me it just seemed insane to move away to Chicago, which <laughs> from where we're from, I mean, seems even bigger than it is. You know, I mean, it's just this, right. you know, huge metropolis, whatever. And it seemed crazy to me. Like at twenty years old, like I'm just gonna go. And that was even I was going there to go to film school too. And there's no yeah. film industry in Chicago either. <laughs> yeah, so that was yeah. even before I even thought about doing stand up, which actually exists in Chicago. I was just going to film school because I like the school there. Sure. So I mean, what I guess is it just a part of that motivation of feeling like this is really something I have to do that gets somebody from 
small town Iowa to be like, I'm just going to take this leap. I mean, it's something that I don't really know. I mean, for me, like creative stuff like that, nothing else has ever made sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially like to not to drop another detail in there, but uh, at the end of high school, I had no intention of following you know, my junior year of high school, I, I was planning on the thing I was leaning towards the most was becoming a radiologist mm-hmm. um, and w- was doing that. I'd never thought about pursuing, you know, because I was always in theater and had done improv and, you know, loved all that stuff and loved doing it in my free time. I was always writing, just always, you know, and drawing cartoons and, and whatever. I'm not a good drawer, but I was always <laughs> ever since I was a kid, you know, there was notebooks just full of little cartoons and stuff. Um, but I never thought about pursuing it. Uh, and then my junior year, I sustained a really serious head injury, mm-hmm. um, that gave me a severe concussion and then actually kind of weirdly like wiped out math, like memory, which it, it sounds really weird, but I, I was in algebra three, you know, I was doing fine. You know, I was doing pretty good in the math department. Um, after the head injury, I came back and I remember there was like a, a test that week and I sat down and I looked at the equations and I knew I knew them, <laughs> but I couldn't figure them out. Yeah. Like I was just staring at them being like, I've done these mm-hmm. and I don't, I can't even fathom how to begin them right now. And it really, and like to become a radiologist, like you don't have to be a mathematician or anything, but you have to, you have to do chemistry you have to do science and some math like you have to you have to do okay in those fields yeah. and i i went from you know and i wasn't like an amazing math student but i was getting you know a minus b plus in math mm-hmm. like i was doing pretty good and then i i was in failing i was sudden i was getting the first f's i'd ever gotten in high school suddenly i couldn't i just couldn't do math and i barely got out of algebra with like a d plus was able to just eke my way out of there yeah um i had to take an incomplete on chemistry the 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 teacher was nice enough to give me a deal that she would give me an incomplete if then the next year i would take advanced bio which Mm. was less numbery and stuff um and it messed me up for a while i couldn't like it it was uh, after doing some tests too i found out that i had the math fluency of a fifth grader yeah. And they showed all my other stuff. Like you do, you go in for these tests and you do writing, you do reading, all stuff, everything else. My writing and my, you know, my reading was at my level. My writing was at college level. Like everything was fine. But then there was just this huge dip in it. And it was my math. It was my math fluency. And that stuck with me for a long time. I used to be, I used to, I remember my, my junior prom, there was a, it was a casino theme. <laughs> yeah. And I remember playing blackjack and that's just, you're adding up to 21. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the goal. And I would get the cards and I would like stall and kind of pretend like I was bluffing because it was hard for me to add like seven and six quickly. Really? Yeah. It, it really messed me up. And, and that's something that I trained myself. Now I'm actually faster than most people I know at doing simple math like that because I pushed myself so hard to just get good at quick math again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, like at the time, it took me years. It, it, it messed me up for quite some time. But so very very long way to answer your question (laughs) (laughs) that's all right no but i but so that happened to me and then it was suddenly like well crap the plan i had i can't really do now yeah or at least i didn't i didn't know how to do it and at that point too with with a head injury that was then i started having pretty severe depression too as Mm. you know so and when you are dealing with really severe depression it 
it things just seem impossible and and you know confusing and it's like and i was you know i was angry all the time which i'd never been an angry kid ever you know and so i was just angry and confused and mad so i just the more i thought about the more i toyed once before i think with going to film school and then the more i thought about it was just like you know what you can i don't know it was just kind of like it, 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 it was kind of like a near-death experience because it, it was. I mean, I could have died when I had it, when the, the head injury. But it was just like, you know, I should just chase things that I want to do because tomorrow my brain could be wiped clean. Yeah. And so that's that's what made me decide to go to film school. I had no, I didn't know if I even really wanted to work in the film industry, but that was my passion at the time. Was I was really into movies really into screenwriting. I was always trying to write screenplays. I didn't really know how, but I was just, you know, I would look at screenplays online and then just try to emulate, uh, you know, the structure of them, how they looked. Yeah. And tried to just, I tried to learn about story structure and stuff like that and just tried to, I don't know, I was just always doing it and I was just kind of like, well, I should just go and see what that world is like. And that's what, that's what took me there. So it wasn't even necessarily that like, I have such a dream to become the greatest film director of all. It was just like, it was just, you know, why not go after a thing that you are even mildly interested in because, you know, half your brain could quit working tomorrow, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I, I am appreciative of that. And I think, you know, touched on a couple of things that I wanted to get to eventually. One being, you know, I think it's interesting where, you and I have had conversations. We've had sim, I guess, dissimilar experiences, but that maybe create a similar reaction or something in terms of, you know, we were both married very young, <laughs> yeah, which is you know something that I think also we're kind of exposed to where we grew up in sort of the rural Midwestern is. Well, that's the plan. Yeah, that's the plan. yeah. You get out of school, you 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 find your lady, you get your job, and then you quit. Like, like, <laughs> that's like that's kind of all people tell you to set up your life is just yeah. it's find your career, find your partner. Yeah, you know, no, which you know I don't think is an there's nothing against it. I have nothing thing. against it. I people yeah. who want that and that's what they do and that's and like they're happy doing it. Oh man, that looks great. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, in which, I mean, so, I mean, very similar. You wound up marrying high school sweetheart. I wound up someone I met in college right away. Right. Um, both went great. Well, yeah, both, <laughs> yeah, we were, yeah, both divorced. Yeah. Um, which, you know, that, I don't, I don't want this to be anything that no, no, no. denigrates anyone else or, or speaks bad of that, but I think is an interesting thing that you hit on in terms of, where does that going through a challenge then sort of lead to, I mean, you talked a little bit about, you know, that feeling of, Hey, this could all be gone. This could all be wiped right. away. But do you think as like a creative individual, um, there's sort of a need for that coming out of something difficult that like, this is like the only sensible outlet for those feelings or those sorts of things. Yeah. A little bit like, I literally, once I got divorced and had something real to talk about, I suddenly felt like I could do comedy. Mm -hmm. I suddenly, like, you know, so that's jumping ahead a little bit to that, but like that's, that was what, I don't know, it was it was just feeling like I actually, I had a perspective on the world. I had yeah. something to talk about. And before when I tried it, I knew, I knew what stand-up looked like. I knew what it sounded like. I knew how jokes worked. 
but I didn't really have anything to say. Mm-hmm. And if I had kept going on stage, I would have found that. You know, you, you find that the more you do it, because yeah. everyone who starts doesn't have anything to say. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's very few kids who go up there, you know, first few times. It's like, oh, they already know what they want to be. Yeah. There's very few. I've, I've probably in my career who I've met, I've probably only met one person who I saw them go up young and like, oh, he already knows what he wants to be. Yeah. Um, but otherwise it, it's, it's years of throwing different personalities at the wall and trying to, <laughs> what do I even want to be? And then you eventually, and it might take you, you know, I'm still figuring it out. I'm seven years in it's, I'm still figuring out what or six years. I'm six years and I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what my voice is, what I really want to be talking about, whether I want to keep doing it to tease further ahead, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. you know, um, but, uh, so it's part of it like that. Yeah. And with the, with the head injury stuff, the, you know, going into film, I, to me, that wasn't so much that I needed that to that I need something like that to be creative. It was just that made me um, appreciate being being creative so much more that that I could have that I could take this huge hit, and then it made me suffer with depression for you know the remainder of my life. You know, yeah. uh, in in you know sometimes big extremes, sometimes it's not quite there. Uh, but like it, it made me a appreciate the the thing that didn't get rocked out of my brain and and be okay leaning into that more and saying yeah i know following this isn't necessarily the safe bet and Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily uh, a a healthy (laughs) path to go down all the time (laughs) yeah but it's a thing i have and i don't want to i i don't want to cast it aside just because it's a scary thing to to fall into yeah um yeah, and and another topic of my like my divorce too is like that's yeah I, like I, I I didn't go on stage like talking like smack about her. I just talked about my experience of being a young guy, like being being twenty five but already feeling like an old divorced man. Like that's <laughs> yeah, what I go because yeah. I would never you know, and especially now too. Like it's it's been years since it happened. I'm not the same person I was then. I I hope to God she's not. We got married young. You get you get stunted when you when you get in that type of a relationship. You know, we got engaged at twenty. Then we pretty much stayed twenty. Life got harder. <laughs> Life got harder and more stuff got thrown at us and we kinda were still just trying to be young lovers. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah. that's and then our lives went completely different paths, and that's what that's what brought the divorce. I was being like, "Oh, we don't want the same stuff in life at all." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, I totally understand that and relate to that, and I think you nailed a couple of things there. One, you know, if you're someone who likes to do creative things, whatever, it's important to get that depth of perception. Oh yeah, and. I mean, good or bad, it comes from trials and things like that. You know, that's why I, I try to tell my students and things like the most interesting people are people who've gone through things because you have this ability to see things differently because you've been through some things. You get a little distance from them. And- yeah, this this is a movie no one has seen. I saw it once before, uh, and I just happened to catch the end of it this morning. It's a movie. <laughs> it's a movie called The Big Kahuna. Okay, yeah. It stars Danny DeVito, Kevin Spacey, and Peter Facinelli. They're three salesmen, and it's just them in a hotel. It's a real small movie. It's it's no one. It came out in like '99, mm-hmm. um, but no one really saw it. But there was a. I just watched. I just happened to catch it this morning, and Danny DeVito says a thing to Peter Facinelli's character. Um, he just says, he says you don't this. And Peter Facinelli's character is like religious and really devout and like a, and a nice guy. But Danny DeVito says, he's like, you have no character yet. And he's like, you don't have character until you have something you regret. 
that you can look back on. He's like, not saying you didn't. And he's like, and he's like, and uh, Peter Rashton, he's like, oh, because I don't have anything I regret. He's like, no, you already have stuff you regret. You just don't know it yet. And until you can look back on it and say, God, I wish I could change that. But knowing you can't and you just have to throw it on your shoulder and keep going through life, that's when you get character. And like I uh, watching it this morning was just like, yeah, that's true. And that's, you know, some of the stuff I've been dealing with is just like stuff that I don't forgive myself for. And then I beat myself up for and that I regret and I wish I could change and got hung up on the wishing I could change it for so long. But then you don't move forward at all. Yeah. And, you know, and that's. I'm jumping all over, but <laughs> no, that's good. Just another little plug for the big Kahuna the Dan. Big Kahuna. I told you, we're just gonna plug stuff here yeah. that we uh, find amusing. Yeah. Um, but I guess maybe as good a time as any to sort of transition into. Yeah, why not? We've kind of danced around some of the depression and, and yeah. things like that. Um, and that's something I want to talk about largely because you and I have had discussions about it, right? And I think it's. Very interesting. You know, I see it. I don't mean interesting to sound like it's a positive thing, but I see it a lot with my students who I teach and things like that and just mental health in general. Um, And we've talked about you get these sort of, you know, there's some TED Talks and different things like that that are great people talking about their mental illness. And I think that's great. It's more in the open than it once was. Right. But there's a lot of this of like, oh, I went through this. Here I am on the other side of it. Here's what I learned from it. Here's Mm -hmm. what blah, blah. But sorry, just the table. But it's it's always that. But it's never you never really get to. And then, you know, they'll tell you like, yeah, it sucked. Then I couldn't get out of bed. I wanted to quit. Maybe I was suicidal. Maybe even I attempted like they'll say that stuff. And then they'll kind of get like, oh, here's what I learned from it. And then but it's like. Yeah, but when you were in it, you didn't know what you were going to learn from it. You didn't know yeah. how you were going to get out of it. You you just had to you just had to deal with it. Yeah. And no one ever really talks about it as they're going through it cuz when you're going through it, you try to hide it, you mm-hmm. know. Um and and yeah, one of the reasons like that's one of the main topics we're talking about is in the last year, looking back it's been the last couple of years, but but primarily the last year, um I I mean, I I just I had a nervous breakdown. I I've you know, I've just had a lot of stuff happen in my life. You know, I had my career started taking kind of a nosedive, um, was already financially pretty hurt from my dog having a bunch of surgeries. And I, I love my dog to death. And uh, uh, and then last year I, I had a really bad breakup. I was with a woman I was going to marry and uh, we split up very suddenly, very, I don't know, it just happened very quickly and, and kind of, you know, gave me whiplash from it. And uh uh, just really brought out all of my, I don't know, all of my depression, all of my anxiety, and really just has, that's kind of consumed me for the last year of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know, ask me something. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. And Matt, that's kind of the point we're getting to that I think is important is there's not a lot of voice out there for people who are struggling with this from someone who is like, Oh, I'm also in the middle of it. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, you and I talked about and it's, it's difficult, obviously difficult from your perspective, you know, but difficult to be like, well, how much do you want to talk about this? Or, you know, how, how much is a person capable of talking about these things? And 
in a way where they feel emotionally okay, intellectually okay, and those sorts of things. Right. And this kind of stemmed from us having a lot of conversations where I'm like, you know, wow, the way you describe it helps me make some sense of it, helps me understand. I just think that's such a powerful thing. Um, so I guess maybe starting there, you talk about, you know, depression, anxiety, and, you know, don't need to get any deeper than what you feel comfortable with, but, you know, what are some of those feelings? I mean, what are you feeling in a moment where you're feeling exceptionally anxious or something like that? Well, I mean, like depression, depression I'm used to. Depression I can handle. Uh, I don't know, you can feel that. Ang anxiety is so consuming. It's so, it just, like the best, the, it's so hard to describe in the best way I've found to describe it. Like when I, cause I, there was a period where for several months where I was having daily panic attacks, just these full on meltdowns where I just, I like would start with like hyperventilating and then just turn into just, just crying. And it, it would happen. I would be at work and anytime I was away from somebody, I'd be having a meltdown. I started planning them into my day. <laughs> Like I started like to be away from people. Not funny, but no, no. But <laughs> we've talked about this a ton. But yeah. but like, uh, I would I would start playing and just like okay, like I was I was a dog walker. You know when they first start happening, I was walking dogs as, as a day job, and I was just like okay, so I I will have an extra ten minutes once I get there because it only takes five minutes to get there. I need to start this walk at this time. And that gives me ten minutes to sit in my car and just lose my mind and just freak out and just cry and just not be able to breathe. And um, the best way like in my head it's it's not an actual noise but like the best i can describe it is just it gets loud it's mm. just like but i mean there's no noise i'm not hearing noises but it's just like i just need to like close my eyes and just like hold my head it's uh it's it's like if you're if you're at a pier and like a like a boat lets off a big foghorn like where it's like no other sound can exist at that time. Yeah. Like you just have to wait for it to be over before you can continue your life. Like mm -hmm. that's just like how it feels. Yeah. Um, and, and just, I don't know. I just, I get uh, like now I'm, I'm not, I don't have that anymore, but I have just kind of residual anxiety and like, I just feel it in my body. I just get shaky. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I, I, I get manic. I just kind of, I, I, I kind of just pace around my apartment, not knowing what to do. Even if it's just something like, Hey, I just need a glass of water. Like I'll walk around just not really knowing how to get a glass of water. <laughs> like it's yeah. just, it's that palpable and that, that consuming and just, and that's where I talk about, you know, these things feel impossible. Yeah. It feels impossible to just do anything in your day to solve any problem. Even if it's just, I need to go to the grocery store and get five things that I know what they are. I get them all the time. And it's just like, nope, I, I just cannot do it today. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what the, you know, anxiety feels like. And then once that gets really bad, then the, then I, I start, I get really self-critical and really beat myself up for, you know, just like you're, you're worthless because you can't get these just simple tasks. And this is what people do every single day. People have harder lives than you. What is wrong with you? Then that's where then I get depressed and then I just totally crumble. And then it's now it's, then it's hours that I don't move, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so one is kind of really feeding into the other. Yeah, that's that's why well. this this like last year has been particular because I've had depressive states before. Uh, you know, I had I had some really bad depression like right after I graduated college, and then I got married right after that. And it was just a lot of like life changes bring it on. Mm. 
Um, so I had a really, and that's not what like caused the divorce. We were married for a couple of years after that, but it was like, that was a really horrific rough patch for us, you know? Yep. Um, and like was, was suicidal and stuff. And you know, and I, I can't imagine the stress that put on her to, like, we got married on a Saturday. She started student teaching on a Monday, yeah. no honeymoon. Then it's like, Oh, now I got to come home every day wondering, is my new husband dead? Like, you know, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, before I used to be angry at her cause I'm like, ah, oh, she was real mad at me some days. I'm like, Oh no, I like, I'm surprised she kept it together <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so I've had depressive states. Those are kind of easier to come out of because you you can, I can beat those with distraction. I can yeah. beat those with with things I care about, things I want to do. Like with that, like after, you know, I had a really bad depressive state. We actually moved back to St. Ansgar, and that that really helped. It just got me away from just being just change of scenery. Even though I didn't really want to move back here, it really helped to just get out of Chicago, reset. Yeah. rethink things you know live a simpler life for just a little bit because just life is a little crazier in chicago things are just way more expensive yeah it's just harder to get by um and like stuff like that can help but the the anxiety though like i've i've really yet to find a way to really curb that i'm getting a little bit better but that's much harder to control it's you can't really it's hard to distract yourself from anxiety because the distractions add to it yeah. If I try to like pivot, like, well, I'm going to do this instead. And it's like, well, you really should be finishing the first thing you started, you know, and that's, and then it just compounds on top of everything. So, and then that, yeah, that feeds into the, the depression. Well, then, you know, we've talked about, before and I'm too. speaking pretty manically right now because I'm anxious about talking about it, but, yeah. I, but I want to. So that's why I'm speaking very quickly. <laughs> no, and that's, that's good. You know, and you hit on something we've discussed before too, where, you know, just having you know, conversations with you, conversations with students and things like that who you know, are struggling with anxiety or other yeah. sort of mental health things, there is this strange sort of convergence of intellectually, I understand that you know, what I'm doing right now is not in my best interest or I'm, I'm understanding that like this task maybe shouldn't be difficult or whatever. Yeah. But then there's this other thing that's undercutting it. So, I mean, I don't know if, if you have anything to say on that or, you know, how do you kind of, how do you try to make that distinction or, or does it become difficult or, or sometimes maybe is your intellectual side feeding into the anxiety because you're overthinking it? I feel like it, it does lead, and I'm not saying like I'm intellectual as in like I'm a very, very smart person or anything, but when we say intellectually, it's just like where you know it's it's not just the disorder, where it's it's your, you know that like this isn't you and these things aren't hard to do. Um, it, yeah, it feeds into it, and a part of it too is my imagination, because I am a very, you know, I'm very creative. I've, you know, I've built my whole life on trying to be creative, so I can imagine every single worst case possibility that can happen. Mm -hmm. So I, I imagine if I, if I do this or if I don't do this, or if I don't get this thing solved, I do this instead. Or if I blah, 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 I have 20 worst case scenarios lined up ready to give me a panic attack. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I had something else to say and I kind of forgot, but it, it's, I don't know. It, it's, it's just, you, I just can't really like the anxiety. I just feel 
I can't control at all. The depression, I feel like I can control. The anxiety, I, I just feel like I can't steer. I really, I am just in the passenger seat and just kind of waiting to see where the crash is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't know if, I, the intellectual side of it, I don't know if it necessarily feeds into it. I do wish a lot of times I could just feel the emotions instead of the thoughts so much. Sure. I really wish I could just spiral and just be sad. I try to fight it so much by thinking of, you know, why, like I try to fight it intellectually and try like, well, maybe if I do this instead, it could be this. Or if I do, oh, I need to blah, 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 blah. I need to do that. And I'll try to fight it with my mind when I do wish sometimes I could just sit down and just be like, I'm very sad right now <laughs> and I'm upset and I'm yeah, scared. Yeah. It took me, I mean, it took me so long to just be able to say I'm scared. I've just, I, I'm, I'm worried and even not even classifying what it was, but just it, the, the hardest thing to say with dealing with all this, and it, cause it took me so long to tell you about any of it. Yeah. The hardest sentence to say when I was dealing with the daily panic attacks and the meltdowns and everything was the sentence, I'm not okay. Yeah. That was the hardest thing to even admit to myself that I'm not okay. And I think if I'd done that a little bit earlier, it wouldn't have gotten worse if I'd been able to just accept that I needed help i needed changes i needed to speak to people about it because i held it down for so long just months by myself yeah and just kept trying to think well if i just keep going to work if i just keep doing what i'm doing it'll be fine i'll prove to everybody that i'm fine you know you know my my ex who broke my heart i'll prove to her that no i'm i'm gonna make the best of this you'll see when really like and I, I don't blame her for the meltdown stuff. It, it was just the last thing. It yeah, was, it was just, yeah. it was the final shove into, <laughs> into mental breakdown territory. Sure. I, I look back on, I, I've been building, I had been building to it for a year and a half before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember my original point because I'm all over the place right now. No, that's is, that's great. And this is where I get frustrated too because I'm actually when I speak. You know, especially in my comedy, I try hard to stay very focused and on the details. Yeah, I like beginning, middle, and end. And this and this is where this this stuff gets so frustrating to me because I I I don't feel like myself even talking about it. I feel more frazzled. I feel more confused, more mixed up. I lose my train of thought a little bit more, which is something I I've trained myself to not do, and I really try not to do ever in my comedy and in my writing. Yeah, I never want to lose the the thesis. Yeah, this stuff. When I get into it, I do. I just, I kind of just get lost, and I get turned around, and just, you know, just, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, and I, I absolutely understand that. It's making my job pretty easy though for like a first time interviewing somebody. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm knocking out of the park. I ask yeah. one question, I get ten minutes. I know. Uh, well, then I give you ten different topics you can choose from. That's right. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm jotting down <laughs> notes on my legal pad. Um, <laughs> but I guess, you know. Talking about um, what we were talking about there, and now I gotta try and remember the point that I wanted to bring up um, first with that. But I guess you talked about the difficulty of getting to that point of even saying like, okay, like there's something wrong here. I mean that sort of thing. And I think just from you know the young people I've interacted with and things like that in an educational setting, and really people in general, even if you're not dealing with a mental health thing or something like that 
that seems to be, you know, that's that sticking point of being self-reflective and being like, oh, wait, there is a problem here. And I, I think that's an interesting thing because I would say you're a very self-reflective person to a point that's damaging at some point. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, but... But so, it's also not always honest either because I'm also not self-reflective about stuff I need to be self-reflective about. Sure. I'm self-reflective about things I really don't need to put on myself. But I do, you know, it's taken me a year to admit some stuff to myself like, oh, that like the root of certain things. But I spend enough time bashing myself for a hundred things that no one else sees. Yeah. That no one else knows. Doesn't matter to anybody else. It's just my criticism of myself. Sure. But sorry for interrupting you there. No, that's perfect. And that kind of answers what I was talking about. You know, one thing I always bring up with my students is like the Stoic philosopher Seneca. You know, we suffer more in imagination yeah. than in reality. And that's that's everyone, I think. Absolutely. And, I, and the way I guess. I, that's know, a quote I have written down somewhere, too. Yeah, yeah I love that. Um, but, you know, just through the conversations you and I have, it, and I'm. You know, I mean this as a compliment. You know, there's a part of me as an outsider that you know, when somebody you're close to, somebody you love, is going through something like this, you know, at least I myself, you feel like a little bit of a failure. You know, where I'm like, okay, you know, I mean, like I didn't know that my younger brother was feeling this bad, or you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. And and there is for that. I know mom and dad have had some of that too. And, and you've never made anyone feel like that no. or anything. But it is just sort of that like man, I kind of failed here in my responsibilities as the big brother, or, you know, yeah. those sorts of things, you know, but, you know, in some ways I feel we're maybe closer now than we ever have been just yeah. through some of these conversations that are, you know, just real open and honest that I'm curious about getting to that point of feeling comfortable enough to say, okay, I think there's an issue here, or maybe it's not even comfort, but feeling that, things have gotten bad enough or you know how how does how do you get to that point um i mean i'm still not comfortable like really with this is the most public i've been about talking about i've talked about it on stage but in you know smaller shows and stuff where i know it's only those 20 people who are going to hear it or whatever um i guess i've done some larger shows where i've talked about a little bit uh but i always kind of speak about speak of it as if it's a thing I'm over because I'm confident on stage. I keep it together on stage. Um, yeah. uh, so, so comfort, yeah, it's definitely, there's definitely never been comfort to it. Um, I mean, what got to the point to where, I mean, I can't remember why I ended up telling you because you were like the first person I talked to about. It. I've talked to friends before about depression and stuff because I've just dealt with it for a long time and we're all comedians, so we're all bummed out all the time anyway. So we, it's, yeah. easy, it's easy to talk to comedian friends. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm feeling really depressed right now. And they're like, yeah, me too, right? <laughs> uh, so it's, I've always been able to just like talk about some of that. Um, I, yeah, I don't remember what actually made me finally just talk to you about it. it probably because I was just having those panic attacks or, or you might have actually just happened to call me while I was having a meltdown I think I think that's what it was I think, so, I think yeah. you just you just called me when I was in the middle of a pretty bad like just breakdown like so I just couldn't even I couldn't even pretend to be okay on the phone with you yeah because I was kind of shaky and crying and just and it was what was on my mind I'm like I can't just do small talk right now you know I can't yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. well I'd called you we've had a couple of those where I've 
you know, called or something, and we just kind of... You've kind of accidentally called at, like, times when I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of needed to... <laughs> To talk to somebody because I really I isolate myself when I have them. When I have them, I shut myself off entirely yeah. from people. I do not talk to other people. I I find every excuse to not go out. I flake on stuff when when they were really bad. Yeah. Um. Which like I don't have advice I can give about this stuff, but the the one little piece of advice it's easier to say than to do, and I I'm very guilty of not doing it, but uh. Is don't don't let it be your excuse. Don't let it be your reason for not doing things. For don't don't let it be a reason why you can just text somebody. I'm not coming. Sorry, and leave yeah. them in the lurch. Like don't don't. I let it be my excuse for for most of this last year, and it left me feeling like I don't have as many friends as I used to, even just in that time. You know. Sure. Um. Anyway, that was a little side note. Uh. But uh. uh yeah, I think, and then so I just I told you about it because I think you just happened to call me during an episode, and then, I mean, what made me finally just tell people is I, I had a breakdown at work, like during work, I I uh, I just had a text from a client, and they just asked me what's the latest, uh, one of my dog walking clients, and for yeah. some reason, thinking about what the latest was just broke me and so i just spent the next several hours just walking with just tears running down my face not even crying like just not being able to control my face <laughs> like yeah um and then i went to my boss and just told her i just said you know i i need to leave and finally just told her and just said like here's what's been going on with me for the past you know by that point five or six months yeah um and you know so so for me there wasn't a thing that was like i'm finally gonna talk to people about it. it was just like oh i can't hide it any longer and luckily it came out that way instead of doing something i couldn't take back because I, I absolutely was in a you know suicidal place like never i, I would ne i don't like to say i attempted because i never did and that takes away from from people who actually have uh, attempted um but uh you know I, it was definitely i definitely was making my plan yeah. you know um of of the how and the with what and you know and uh so so i'm i'm glad it i as much as it it sucks to be you know and i was walking around just shaking and just tears on my face i almost collapsed at one point i just my my knees gave out and i almost fell um and so it was it was miserable and terrifying and stuff i i'm glad though that was the breaking point yeah um and it wasn't the last breaking point you know i've mm -hmm. stumbled several times since then and you know the each breakdown tends to get worse and worse but I don't know. They kind of show me that. Well, I I have already proven I can get through it. That I can see the other side of this breakdown. They yeah. just, they're, you know, they just get kind of deeper and, and longer. Yeah, yeah. And um, so yeah, for me it was it I I and I always wanted to be able to say I wanted to say I'm not okay. I need help. I yeah. you know I just couldn't let myself so. Um, I, I wish, wish I could say there was a moment that made me, you know, that was a moment of realization that I could offer as some sort of inspiration or whatever. They're like, oh, once I knew this, I, yeah. I, then I was like, oh, that's when I need to tell somebody I'm no longer okay. But it was, I just couldn't yeah. keep it together anymore. Um, and I'd luckily had just started with a therapist at that point too. So I was, I immediately had someone to 
talked to about it in Chicago too, and sure, um, and I had just started with them like a week and a half before it, so like that just kind of was lucky timing because you know, mm. it, uh, but yeah, so I don't know, I, I there was no real moment and again longest answer to a simple question I <laughs> no no that's good. i could have just said there wasn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well this is the other thing i mean kind of talking about that is you know i'm sort of fascinated with or maybe fascinated is not the right word but like this idea of during i think there's so much information about so many trials and things of sort of a reflection of afterwards where like you know you and I have had conversations that you know sometimes we talk about like 2017 was a pretty banner year in the Nielsen family, <laughs> yeah. um, you know in terms of some of you know your mental health things sort of came to a head. You went through a breakup. I got divorced. You know I'd been married for a long time to yeah. kids, those sorts of things, which you know has all been going okay. Um, but uh, you know the other thing we've had I've had a series of health problems yeah. over the past well, four and a half years now sort of unexpected sort of strange things you know and the thing that I thought about which you know like I still continue to to deal with some of those things but you know we've had the conversation of the toughest thing for me or the you know thing I found most difficult is when you're in the middle of it and you know there's that part of you that wants to be like well this is gonna be okay but if you're in a situation where it's like, I don't really know that for sure. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know, it's like if there's not a real clear, this is the fix, this is the answer, then it's like that becomes a much more daunting thing to be. You know, it's like running a race with no end in sight. You know, it's like, yeah, just start running and who knows? It might never end. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's especially, you know, with with the depression anxiety it's, that's that's what that's what i mean for me at least that's what pushes me to the thoughts of do i even want to be around anymore because it just gets to does this get better is this just what i deal with now because i don't want to yeah. if i if i have this palpable all-consuming anxiety for the rest of my life like i don't I don't want more life. I don't. I don't want to renew my yeah. subscription because it sucks. <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh, you know that's that's at least what pushes me there. And I've you know I've, I've had enough moments of of things getting better and uh, being more sure of myself in certain ways that I I, I do know that this is just a chapter and that's the frustrating part too is knowing that this is a very defining chapter in who i am i know i'm going to come out of this knowing a lot about myself probably <laughs> yeah. for the better but when you're in the middle of it who cares <laughs> yeah, yeah great i'm gonna well, i want to just give me the lesson and get me out i just yeah. i don't want to be in it anymore I get it. I get it. I needed to learn a lot about myself. Please just tell me what it is so I can just yeah, yeah. be done, you know, and, and it, it, you know, and, and especially for me, like I, I do, I'm so self-critical to a, to a horrifying uh, extent and, and like, yeah, with you and your health problems, you've been dealing with it for four years now or yeah. something like that. And, 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 and then, you know, other stuff happened after that. And like, you've always been an inspiration to me of, of how you do just take hits and keep moving. But you know, when I got to this point, then it turned into this guy's dealing with more 
and got dealt another hand that he has to deal with and he's still handling it better and it just makes me go why can't i handle anything i'm dealing with you know and and then especially you do, i do i just i gave up on everything so i really do feel like in the last year my life fell apart yeah completely and it's my own fault and that's the, that's the that's the second part that makes me may have a hard time moving forward at all because it's always well you did it to yourself this is your fault you know it's early early on in the breakup i could blame i could blame my ex for oh you put me in this situation i could just be angry yeah and stuff and then once i reflect on it I realize i'm like well no a lot of why you broke up was because of your crappy behavior <laughs> was because you know was of this stuff and and then it just kind of like so the self-reflection is good, but you have to kind of tear yourself completely down into nothing before you can start putting pieces back together. And I, yeah. I feel like I finally reached that point. Yeah, I kept thinking I'd reached that point and kept being like, oh, now I'm good, ready to start rebuilding my life again. And then another breakdown happened. I'm like, nope, I guess not. I guess I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you know, and 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 that's the now I'm at a point too where I'm. I don't even know what I want to be doing with myself anymore. You know, I I really right now. Uh, I have no desire to really get back on stage and do stand-up. I know I love it, and the last shows I've done have gone well, and mm -hmm. I feel good about them, but then right around the corner is another you know, bad episode. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, so I know I can't recommit myself to it till I have my mind right. Because mm -hmm. so, if every time I do a show and it goes well, a, a, a plummet is waiting for me two days later, then it's like, well, that, that can't be my full-time job again, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. like it was, it can't be my life again. Cause then yeah. plummeting after every single show, then, then what, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I ran out of steam again. I forgot I was good. No, that's good. <laughs> I can't I mean, tell if I'm a great guest or the worst guest. I, I, I think you're the best. You're, you're answering like three questions ahead, you know? You gotta... <laughs> well, with this too, it's like, it, it's tricky too because for, especially like the last six months, all I've done is like talk about this in, in therapy. I've done a lot of it with you and I've started writing more about it and talking about it on stage too. So it's like this this stuff really has been the focus of my life for, you know, at least, you know, the first, you know, we're the seven months into 2018, at least for all that. Yeah. This has basically been all I've thought about. Sometimes bad where it's just consuming me again, sometimes good of, of actually realizing stuff I, I want to change and want to do differently and, and stuff like that. But it's like, so I have, I have a lot to say about it because yep. this is, it's been my life kind of it's been my full-time job is dealing with this you know yeah. really no and i think you know that's great again hit on several things that you know i wanted to talk about yeah and i think the you know one thing you're always very sort of complimentary toward me which i think is probably undeserved um <laughs> but i you know it's funny because I see it as the opposite way around, which we've talked about. You know, I'm always so impressed and proud, and I, and I think it's so courageous the way that you handle these things. Because to me, it's sort of like, anytime I talk to somebody about like a student or something like that who's maybe going through not just a mental health issue, but you know, an emotional issue, a difficult time at home, things like that, I always compare it to having the flu. And I'm like, if you've got the flu, you know, if you've ever had a really bad flu when you're in the middle of it, you're not thinking of anything other than I don't want to feel this way anymore. Yeah. 
and whatever that may be. So if you're going through an emotionally challenging time, it's like that all the time. You're just always stuck yeah. in that zone of like, I got the flu. I just don't want to feel like this. I don't know what that means, but I don't want this anymore. Yeah. And so, you know, to me, like we've talked about, I've had a lot of similar feelings in terms of whether it's the physical health thing or whatever, of being in that moment of, and I can sincerely say I was never suicidal or anything like that, but having those moments of like, oh man, like if this is it, if this is the way I feel forever, yeah, yeah I'm not so into this. But, you know, like I can't imagine that having to deal with that and then sort of my interpretation of having, a, you know, anxiety or something like that is like you're taking these feelings that everyone has, but you're turning the dial up to 11. Yes. Yeah. Which to me, you know, that's what I mean. Like to me, that seems like such a daunting thing where I go like, man, I don't, I don't know that I can handle that. You know what I mean? So yeah. From an outsider, it's like, man, that's pretty incredible to me to be that resilient to like, well, just hammering through. Well, I mean, I, and I appreciate you saying that. It it doesn't feel resilient, and mm. and especially because yeah, because it's 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 not just that you think like, oh, I don't I don't want to keep feeling this way. Like for me, it turned into I will never feel any different. Yeah, this is all I have from now on, and that's and that's and that's what's so scary about it, and what. You know, just from my perspective, like what I think makes people then do really drastic things is is just be you because you start dealing in certainties. You start dealing in you know in the extremes of of the of always. You you really use always. This is yeah. I will always it will it's always and it's never. It will never get better. I will always feel this way. You, it, things are so sure. You're so sure that the misery will never change yeah yeah and if you let that be in your head all day every day over and over and over again you know i you know i've been there and I, I understand why then people then think well then i'm not gonna do it anymore yeah you know uh, it, it's 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 scary and it's and it's and it just kind of feels silly too because it's, it's your own brain it's your own <laughs> it's your own mind doing it to you know it, it's yeah. like i like what what purpose does this serve? Like, <laughs> what evolutionary yeah. function is why, this serving? Why would what what benefit could I get from this? You yeah. know, like this wouldn't help me in the wild. <laughs> this wouldn't. No, no wolf would live if it spent a year freaking out about what it's gonna do with its life, and if anyone loved it, like it would just freeze to death. Like it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't help you. Um. So I guess you know. With that, as we talked about, I mean, you're still sort of in the midst of this. Have there, you know, you've um, you know been talking to a therapist and things like that. Are there things that you have found that, you know, certainly not like a cure-all or anything like that. Is there certain things you found that like, eh, I mean, this has been helping a little, you know, even if it's a small amount, this has been helping some. Um, I mean, for me, like as of this recording, like, it was like a month ago I had probably my worst episode yet. Maybe a little bit more than a month a ago. More, yeah. Um, but had had my, my worst episode. Um and uh that really just that one shook me really hard because it took me a few I was shaky for a few days afterward. Like it took me a bit to feel operational, you know, as as a human. Um 
I guess for for me after that, because then the first thing I did and just went and told you know, told my boss at work that uh, you know I'm like I'm not gonna try to ask for time off. I'm just kind of treating it like I'm leaving. Um, you know, if I can come back, great. I'm like, but I'm just I need to just go away. I need to I just I needed to just completely shake up my routine. You know, mm-hmm. finances, whatever, be damned. I just I just had to because. Who cares if I have a little extra money saved up if if I'm broken if I'm if you know if I can't yeah, yeah. if I can't keep myself together if you know whatever if I if I can't do any of that who cares you yeah. know and um I don't know so like I'm you know I, I just I've been out of town out of Chicago for a, a couple weeks now um you know so I'm I'm I, I don't know really what's gonna happen when I get back, you know, but for, I, I told my boss that and gave a couple of weeks. It's like, I had, I had something to strive to for a couple of weeks of this break. I was, I was finally giving myself permission to take a break. I kept waiting for someone to give me permission Yeah, to take a break from stuff and go take care of myself. And I, I, no one's going to give it to you. No one's, yeah. no one's going to be like, Hey, you earned it, buddy. You know, they're, <laughs> they're not going to do it. You have to do it for yourself. Um, so I don't know, just for me, like, you know, I just, I did this trip. I drove out to the Grand Canyon with my dog, just kind of on a whim to go do it. And, <laughs> yeah. And it was, and it was really fun. And it you know, not just to see, yeah, I'd never been there before and to see it. And it was awesome. It, like, it's just on my mind right now is why I'm talking about it too. But like, uh, it was also, it reminded me how much, cause I, I walked around with my dog. And so then when you walk around with the dog at the Grand Canyon, everyone wants to talk to you and pet your dog. Yeah. And it actually reminded me how much. I enjoyed connecting with people because I had really forgotten that in the last few years. I became very bitter. I I have I had developed really bad social anxiety. I just didn't want to talk to people, and especially after shows, like after a comedy show, like I just didn't I didn't want to have to keep working. I didn't want to have to then you know work the the crowd and stuff, work the room, and like that's that's what you do in this Beyond. industry. Beyond and stuff, and especially if you have a bad show, you I really don't want to talk to people. I want to leave. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And that just that started pouring over just into every aspect of my life. I just I started I just really hated meeting new people to the point to where I stopped knowing how to have small talk. I really like I would <laughs> I've never I've never been a guy who gets, you know, obviously from this, I, I don't you know, I don't get shy. I don't get, you know, really, you know, word locked or whatever. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I, you know, I but I really just became that. I just I would go to places, especially places that like. If I'm going to a party and there's a lot of people there, I, I would really kind of hope no one would want to meet me. Would really kind of, I just want to show up, do the, I'm here at your party. Okay, goodbye. And like, yeah. I couldn't wait to leave places. Um, and I just, I forgot how nice it felt just to talk to people. I think it's because there I, I wasn't a comedian. It, I wasn't, I didn't have to network with anybody. I wasn't, yeah. I didn't have to talk to people and be like, what are you going to give me? It's like, no, you're just a German person at the, at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> you're not going to help my career. I don't need to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I can just talk to you. Um, so again, very, very long answer to say, no, I don't have anything. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I guess, I, I guess just the, the one thing I, I could say is just, give yourself permission to do something different to you know yeah i don't know it's for some reason it's so tempting to just do the same thing over and over again it's, it's just i guess there's a uh, safety in the rhythm even though it doesn't feel good <laughs> 
and yeah, it's still yeah. just scary but it's like at least something is constant you know yep. like, i don't know but yeah i guess the the I guess just for, I mean, for me right now, it's not worrying about my career and all that stuff and kind of just, I, I guess if I had an answer, if I had to actually <laughs> answer your damn question, yeah, <laughs> which I just haven't because I blabbed about the Grand Canyon. <laughs> uh, which sounds nice. It was, it was lovely. Everyone should go. Uh, I, I guess it's just actually, actually focus on it. Yeah. Actually treat it like the issue it is don't just beat yourself up it was when i actually just started thinking like oh i i need to solve this to a point you know i need to get better with this before i can do anything else in my life yeah because this will just color everything you know because i started feeling better about my career and doing shows and then this was still here. And I'd feel good about the shows. And it's like, okay, so that that clearly will be waiting for me if I want it again. Yeah. But I need to just focus on this. And that, that's that been a huge help for me. Mm-hmm. And has made me just feel a lot better in that this is what I want to straighten out in my life first before any of the other goals or anything else is just actually working on this and figuring out who I am and what I want and how I want to feel. I've never really thought about that before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. You answered it. That was a good answer. Took me a while, but I got to it. Do I just sound insane? I do just want to know. (laughs) I feel insane. Do I just sound, do I sound just completely crazy talking? I just, no, I think it's good, and sincerely, it's making it easy on me. I kind of just <laughs> wind you up and let you go. <laughs> um, well, and kind of getting to, this is sort of the last sort of main thing with that that I wanted to talk about is, I think, you know, we've kind of gotten to a point where, in a lot of ways, it's good that mental health and these things have come to more of a forefront. It's more public, but you've seen i've seen doing stuff with you that the treatment the resources available are just unbelievably bad or unbelievably yes. sh- you know like just shortchanging mental health in general yes um which very frustrating obviously um but also just with people pretty much everyone either you know has dealt with these things or has someone they care about who has gone through you know some sort of mental health thing or is going through and that's always a difficult thing too where i know people in our family i know i've been guilty of either like you know how do i best try to help you and and going like doing it wrong both directions either like you like putting the kid gloves on and then i'm treating you (laughs) treating you as a disorder that's not a human being and being like what if we do this or you know what if we do this or you know going the other way and be like tough love let's you know bust through this and obviously much more difficult to be struggling with the you know emotional difficulties of a mental health thing but if you were to give any advice, I guess the conclusion I eventually came to is like, whoa, 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 like I need to step back and just be a brother to my brother. Right. And 
just be here for whatever, you know, I can, you know, and those sorts of things and try to separate myself from that. What would you give any advice to someone who like, even just in your experience, like, yeah, this has been like a bad way to deal with it. Or like, you know, <laughs> or like, I don't appreciate it when people do this or if it's the like, why don't you just be happy? Or, you know, well, I mean, that's things. the worst. If someone's just like, just cheer up. Cause it's not as much as it like depression stuff is like a sadness, like, and, I, and I'm not a, a doctor or a mental health professional. So I'm not, I don't want to try to define it in certain terms, but like it has nothing to do with happiness it's yeah. it's not just the opposite of feeling happy like because i still have major moments of joy mm -hmm. while hating myself so intensely <laughs> and thinking i don't have the right to be on this planet i can still laugh my ass off at something yeah so it's not it's not a, a, a an absence of joy mm -hmm. that's not what it is it's it's and I think it's just, I mean, we still don't really understand it fully. And it's, and everyone's different. Like some people it is, a, you know, imbalance. Some people it is brought on by severe trauma. You know, mine it clearly came from my head injury. I never had it until that. So mine came from actual brain <laughs> problems. Yeah. Um. So, so like, since everyone's different, I mean, yeah, don't, I mean, for me, it was just don't, I didn't, I didn't like feeling like a problem someone had to solve yeah um like i really hated when somebody like well we have to get you fixed like that that phrase would just make me hide because it, yeah. it made me feel broken maybe it made me feel like the burden i already thought i was yeah yeah um so it's it's tricky because like yeah you need to kind of you want to be hands-on a little but you know because you might have to step in if things get so bad but you do have to it's you kind of have to let the person show you a little bit yeah you have to you, you know you really have to listen first and you have to if, if you're a person trying to help somebody dealing with it you can't you can't let your fear drive the situation yeah you know it, it's Cause it's, cause it is scary for the people. This is why I never told anybody for a long time. That's mm -hmm. why I, I was so terrified to tell you, and especially mom and dad. I, I, I just, I just thought about telling mom and it making her sad and breaking her heart. And so it made me just not want to even bring that into her life. Yeah. Cause I didn't, I hated the idea of making my mom sad, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. And I knew she wouldn't understand it cause she hasn't dealt with it and not understand it in a, she's, she's a very understanding person, you know, but just it's something if, if you haven't felt it, it's very hard to understand cause it's hard to communicate. I don't yeah. know. I still don't know how to talk about it clearly. You yeah. Know? Uh, my long ass rambling. <laughs> um, yeah, just don't, just don't forget that they're the person you love. They're not. They're not just the problem. They're not. Yeah. They're not just the thing. They're still that person. They're just dealing with something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're dealing with something real bad. You know, someone gets cancer. You don't just go. Well, just fix it then, dude. <laughs> yeah, stop. Like, no, you. You know, you you sit with them, and even when they're having their bad days, you know, you know that's not them. You know that's yeah. that's the trials of the illness and the whatever and. It's it's the same thing, you know. That's usually the analogy people make, you know. But it, it's it's yeah, you're 
you're not the the disorder and i and i and that's something too to make my answer longer i but no <laughs> but two but two people dealing with it too is like you know it's very easy to convince yourself that it's all that you are yeah i very much did that and not to you know talk smack about anybody like i've seen people too in the entertainment industry you know the the, the last year in the entertainment industry has uh forced out a lot of people who have done not great things to other people yeah um and i've seen that even at my level of just kind of you know kind of nobody comedians you know that's happened people from chicago have gotten ostracized and they they've done not great things and then suddenly they come back and then all they want to do is they want to talk about mental health and be a proponent of mental health and stuff and it's like so they kind of make it their excuse as to why their behavior was whatever you know yeah 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 um and and not that i i'm saying that's what i did but you know i i I don't want to, like, I look back, I like, my ex, I just, like, I very much, I dismissed her for, like, a, the last year we were together. I was just so dismissive. I just didn't want to talk about anything. I was jealous of the stuff she had going for her that was great and stuff. And uh, and for a while, I just told myself, well, it's oh, it's because I was depressed and anxious. It wasn't, no, that was me. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, yeah. I did that. Mm. So it's like, don't, don't let it be everything about you. Don't let it be your excuse don't let it, you know, I don't know, just don't, don't let it define you. Let it be a part of you because it is a part of you. Yeah. And you need to deal with it and you, you're going to carry it for the rest of your life because it doesn't just go away. Yeah. But if you, if you try to, if you try to make it your scapegoat or your excuse, I don't think you're actually going to learn anything from it. You're not actually going to learn how to deal with it and i don't think you're actually going to learn what changes you need to make to make it easier to get through the day and sure. to make you feel better about yourself and to feel that's just something that's on my mind because i've just seen a lot of people kind of now since it is more of a thing being spoken about i'm seeing it getting used as a scapegoat a lot. I'm just like, well, I was depressed. I was depressed, so it's okay that I was a dick. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. You were a dick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. But own that. <laughs> sure, yeah. It contributed, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But just, you were a dick. Okay, you don't want to be a dick anymore? Great. Let that be then part of your next chapter. Yeah. And then, like I to quote Danny DeVito from The Big Kahuna, <laughs> the hit of 1999. <laughs> But that's that's the regret you have to throw on your shoulder and march forward with, and it doesn't go away. And that's your character, and I, how you move on from it is is who that's that's how you prove who you are. On that note, that feels like sort of ending on a little bit of a hopeful note, yeah. and and we brought the big Kahuna yeah, full circle, no. which is really what I was hoping. <laughs> to do with this you asked me before this what my goal was with this and, and really if i can get big kahuna out there to people including myself because i've never seen it <laughs> it's uh, not a great movie either <laughs> it's like it's not 
We've found some and like, wisdom of, here. And speaking of people in the industry who've gotten forced out, it stars Kevin Spacey. Like yeah, it's not, yeah, like, yeah. You know, yeah, it's fair. it's not a classic yeah. by any means. But, but I feel like we've given the props to Danny DeVito here. Yes, so, yeah. and that moment is really great in the movie. And I saw it, and I was like, oh wow, you know. <laughs> Um, so go rent the big coon. <laughs> I'm sure it's on DHS prefer- preferably. Preferably, yeah. yeah. You want to watch that and pan and scan four three. That's what. You, that's what, <laughs> yeah. That's what I learned from film school was pan and scan and, and four three. <laughs> that's uh, those applicable skills. But um, yeah, well, thanks for thanks for having me uh, on your show and. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, man. I sure appreciate it, and it was a lot of good stuff and. Uh, is good man you know address a lot of the things that i'm curious about and that we've talked about and i think that hopefully is of some value to somebody else and those sorts of i things. hope so yeah you know, it's like yeah we brought it up a couple of times but like yeah no one i was you know we talked about doing this and i i was nervous about doing it but i but no one does talk about it while they're going through it and not even saying the you know the the lesson, whatever I kind of accidentally ended with there to try to sound <laughs> profound, like, cause I don't, I don't think I have the right to give advice. I don't have advice. If I had advice, we wouldn't be having this conversation, sure. you know? Um, but I, I just, I hope, you know, especially, you know, if there is someone younger, whoever, and they're, they're dealing with this for the first time, maybe whatever, if they, I don't know. It, it just, it does help hearing about people going through it, and just I don't know makes you feel less alone, less broken, yeah, less like yeah. a failure because yeah. that's what you tell yourself. Um, so I, I hope at the very least someone can hear this and be like, "Well, I know it's not just me, so yeah, I'm not that weird." <laughs> well, absolutely, and I think that's whatever the best any of us can do try and make that connection with people. So yeah, I appreciate it. Love you, man. Love you too, buddy. Thanks for being on, and I guess that wraps episode one. Episode one. Perfect.